Hi everyone, this is Andy Leonard, and I'm honored to be with you today talking about how to use SSIS Framework Community Edition. I'm actually trying something a little bit different today, and I am simulcasting uh, both at GoToWebinar and I'm using Facebook Live at the datadriven.tv uh, page on there. So I'm trying to get a little fancy on you here. Hope this works out. Uh, if you're listening to this as a recording, then you won't, well, actually you won't be able to view the live feed, but you'll be able to also go back and look at the recording on Facebook at the Data Driven Podcast page. Um, one thing is, if you're watching this live, you know this, and uh, is that you won't be able to see my screen. Um, you'll just be able to, you'll be stuck looking at me. I'm looking at you right now, and I'm looking at the other camera right now. So, all that said, a little bit about me. I am a SQL Server Integration Services, uh, SSIS, and Business Intelligence Markup Language, or BEML, consultant and trainer. <laughs> um, I love working at Enterprise uh, Data and Analytics. Uh, I, I am the Chief Data Engineer uh, here. Um, I am also the creator of something called the DILM Suite, or Data Integration Lifecycle Management Suite. You can see a, a copy of my um, latest book. Um, <clears throat> the latest one to be published, I'm actually working on some others, but it came out um, almost nine months ago, I guess. Data Integration Lifecycle Management with SSIS is available at your uh, favorite place for purchasing books. And we're going to be talking about that some today. I'm also a coffee-holic, although that isn't, didn't make the list, um, but it's really good coffee. Bulletproof coffee, in fact. I'm a husband, dad, and grandfather, an author I mentioned already, and a blogger, and um, I'm very honored to be part of a program Veragence maintains for BEML people called the BEML Hero Program. Um, the, uh, the Facebook page that we're also broadcasting to uh, goes to, it's, it's based on a podcast uh, that Frank Lavinia and I deliver. Frank works for Microsoft, and he writes for MSDN Magazine, and he's a really smart cookie. Uh, we've been friends for a long time, and I love him like a brother. Uh, we started doing the Data Driven Podcast, uh, gosh, I, I think it was about two years ago we started talking about it. Started working on it about 18 months ago. It debuted in May of 2017. We just hit 150 episodes, and uh, today we have 71,000 downloads on, um, on uh, you know, of the podcast and, and different shows. It's been an amazing ride, and we still love it. Um, lots of uh, lots of great guests out there, as you can see. We do data points, which are shorter shows where it's usually just me or Frank talking. Sometimes we have guests. Uh, we had a show recently with Jake Mannix on uh, recommendation systems and physics, and Jake had a really good answer to one of our stock questions. Um, share something different about yourself. We we said Jake won the contest for that, and I think he did. Um, so. Check that out, datadriven.tv. That's the website. You can listen to the podcast there and follow us on Facebook. You can catch the video recordings of the Data Points Live. They'll look just like this if you're watching me on Facebook. And so let's talk some today. Uh, talk about what we're going to talk about today in the next hour. We're going to look at a scenario and a demo. Uh, this is our agenda. Our scenario is your enterprises uses your enterprise uses SSIS to manage data warehouse ETL 
staging data for reporting instances, DataMart ELT, and, and other related stuff that requires data integration, data engineering. You want to follow a good, solid SDLC. You also want to follow software development best practices because I'm leaning in here because SSIS is software development. I'm not making that up. It really is. It suffers from having the name of a popular relational database engine in its title, SQL Server, uh, SQL Server Integration Services. But SSIS is a software development platform. So software development best practices apply. Software development lifecycle management applies. There's some subtle differences between what you would normally consider part of SDLC and and uh, and SSIS. Uh, applied or applying SDLC. This is where I got the term DILM, Data Integration Lifecycle Management. So just so you know. So your answer can be, a part of your answer can be that you can use the SSI Framework Community Edition to help manage this. So we'll dive into the demo right after this question. One of the, one of the reasons that I'm asking this question, let's ask the question first. How do you manage the execution of multiple SSIS packages that make up an SSIS application, <clears throat> and why is this uh, why is this question important? Because the top of the list of software development uh, lifecycle and software best practices is something called separation of concerns. So, what does that mean? Well, that means you want to write small modular uh, chunks of code that promote reuse that are easy to test. And then you want to string those together using some sort of, of engine or, or perhaps even you want to compile them together. When you're doing the development, though, you want to be able to unit test those little small pieces of functionality independently. Um, when you think about what that looks like applied to SSIS, this is what it looks like. You do not want to have a single package with two dozen data flows in it. Now, can you build SSIS? with two dozen data flows in it and, you know, maybe dozens or even hundreds of other tasks on your control flow? Absolutely. There's nothing preventing you from doing that. Um, is it a good idea to do that? I'm telling you it's not. I'm telling you that's a recipe for long nights and very little sleep when you support this in production. And I know some of the people listening to this, because we've got a handful of people online right now listening to this, I'll bet real money somebody has stayed up a really long time trying to figure out exactly what failed when one of these, what I call a monolith, fails. Now, what do I advocate instead? I advocate that you build SSIS packages with the least number of data flows, the minimum number of data flows necessary. I choose that language carefully. Optimally, a single data flow. I'm also going to throw this out there. You can actually build inside of a single data flow load loaders, load paths, data flow paths for multiple tables. I'm leaning in again. Do not build multiple table loads in the same data flow. Just not a good idea. We'll go into all of the reasons why right now. Let's just push the trust Andy button and move on, shall we? Okay. So when you've got one table loaded per data flow and a single data flow per package, you've got another problem. Didn't solve all the world's problems by following best practices. Go figure. What's your problem? Now you've got a bunch of SSIS packages that you need to load. Before, you'd run a single command line 
It would call that SSI as package. All 24 of those tables would load if everything went well, and you'd be done. And that's very convenient. What happens, though, if one of them fails? Now you've got to go in and troubleshoot each individual one, or at least the individual one that failed. Maybe there was a data flow where the source of the destination schema changed for the uh, table or the file, and it broke. You get a very helpful message out of that, right? PS needs new metadata. Love that message. Um, but you go in there and you have to pick that apart and figure it out. So you change it, and then you redeploy that package. But wait a minute. Let me check my watch. Yeah, it's 2018. So you should be testing that package before you redeploy it, especially to production. Now, if you want a hot fix and everybody has patch, hot patch uh, procedures, I get it. Do what you got to do. You got to stay in business, right? I get all of that. But what I'm talking about is when you've got a little bit of time, you're supposed to test that package first. So well, how are you testing it? Hopefully you've got an environment that is not production and is also not the system that you're developing SSIS on. I'm not going to go into all of the reasons why that's a bad idea now. I cover it in the book. But you need at least that third system. So you drop it into there and you test it and then you promote that code. Well, here's the thing. What do you have to test if one of your two dozen data flows fails in that package? You should be testing all of them. You need to be testing everything. You may say, well, Andy, it doesn't matter. I'll just test the data flow and maybe anything that depends on it. Okay, that's fair. I get it. But one day you're going to miss one. You're going to miss a dependency. One day it's going to let you down. It's going to break your heart. So, one of the benefits of making these small unit of work packages that have a minimum number of data flows in them and a single data flow path per data flow is that testing is a lot easier. It's a lot more isolated and you want that. That's a good thing. Trust me, you'll get more sleep if you build it that way. But how do you run a bajillion packages now? So excellent question. The answer is really here in the, uh, in the demo and I'm going to dive right over into my demo now if that's okay. I hope that's okay, because that's what I'm going to do. All right, let's maximize. This is a virtual machine. It's named uh, VM Demo. And uh, I named it that because I was feeling really creative. And I'm going to do my uh, demos today in the cloud. I'm not running locally at all here. In fact, I'm connected to an Azure Data Factory. And if I go to, to my, um, my author page here, Let's just make this bigger. And if I look at connections, I can see integration runtimes here. Uh, one thing I do want to get going is zoom it because I know some of you are looking at really small screens. There we go. Sorry, I had to look around my uh, my Facebook camera here. So I'm going to zoom in here and I can click on integration runtimes and you see there's the auto resolve integration runtime. That's part of Azure Data Factory. And you can see the type is labeled Azure. Um, you see, I built uh, an integration runtime. I called it Andy SSIS because I'm vain like that. Uh, it's an Azure-SSIS type. This is an Azure Data Factory SSIS integration runtime. Now, part of what's going on here, you could kind of pick this up as you look at, at how they've got this listed here, is right now there's just two of these integration runtime types available um, that I've got studied, but could they build more? Absolutely. They could build more, and, and we could have different types of, of integration runtimes supported through the ADF portal, Azure Data Factory portal. One other thing we can look at 
is that it is running. Uh, in fact, it is running. <clears throat> and it wasn't running earlier. And, and I went through, um, I, had an, uh, I had another one in here that I tore down, another instance. And when you do that, it leaves the SSIS DB database, which is uh, what we use on premises for the catalog. It leaves that database intact. In fact, if we go look, I'm going to zoom in here, and we can see there's the SSIS DB database. Now, you look at this, and you're, you may see, Andy, you've got um, a couple of connections to the exact same Azure SQL DB. I need an Azure SQL DB because I'm putting a SQL database in here. That's what SSIS DB is. This is what holds the catalog. But why the two connections? Well, this top connection, you can see my subnodes are databases and security. In fact, when I connect to it, this is what Object Explorer is going to show me in SSMS. Um, when I expand databases, I see I've got a couple of databases in here, a couple of three. There's my SSIS DB database. Well, if I go down here and look at my other connection, I see that my top nodes are databases and integration services catalogs. You may be looking at that and going, well, why don't I have integration services catalogs up here in this top connection? It's because of the way I connect it. So in order to get a, a view into the integration services catalog, when I connect, I have to connect using uh, setting an option for the default database. So here's my connected database engine dialog here for SSMS. If I click on, on the options, by default, this will be set to default. But if you if you click in there, you have to type SSIS DB. You kind of have to click uh, once or twice in there to get that to do that. Once you do that, then it will connect. And this connection, I'm not going to connect that way. This connection is the one that will show you only the SSIS DB database in the databases list. And it will also give you the integration services catalogs noted. So <clears throat> pretty handy to, to, to know there. Um, another thing is this catalog appears empty. It's not. Uh, what I did, I think I told you just a minute ago, I actually had an instance of the SSIS DB database out there, but I, and because of that, I could not create an Azure Data Factory SSIS integration runtime. It kept failing. And the reason it was failing was because there was already an instance of SSIS DB on the instance I wanted to, to create it. So it will not recreate it and reconnect to that. That won't happen. But yet and still, I had a bunch of stuff out there that I wanted to use for these demos. So what did I do? Just real quick, I promise it's not trying not to make this a huge commercial, but I used SSI's Catalog Compare. I right-clicked and I clicked Generate All Catalog Scripts. I browsed to a folder, and I'm going to make a new folder here just to show you how fast this works. Once it's connected, it's not it, it takes its time connecting, I promise. But I'm going to make a new folder, uh, 09, let's see, today's the 20th, and I'm going to make an underscore A because I just made that. When I click OK, it's done. So it takes a while to load its, um, you know, load the tree, but once it loads the object, really, not the tree. Once it's done with that, it's all out there. And if I look at this, see, there's a folder that's my instance name. There's, there's my three folders that exist out there, demo, framework, and test. Um, these are all of the scripts that it needed to do the framework stuff. Kind of cool. And all of the scripts it needed to do the test stuff. Also kind of cool. Anyway, that's what I did. I just exported the catalog and all of these settings. That's not the right thing. And uh, when I was done, it, it did exactly what I wanted it to do. It was the coolest thing ever. 
So, <laughs> wow, I shut down the big thing. All right, let's log back in. VMs, Hyper-V, love it. All right, so if I zoom back out, there we go. And let me, while I was zoomed in when I connected to it, let's get this back full screen. There. So enough of that. I mean, then I was just, I just executed the scripts in the IS pack files and I rebuilt it really quick. In fact, if I right click on here and refresh this catalog, we should see those now in the SSMS node. Now it takes a while to refresh because it's not running over, you know, a 10 meg connection or some 10 gig connection. It's running off over a 25 meg connection to the cloud. But here's our stuff. And there's our projects that we have in the demo folder. There are no projects in the demo folder. Here's our projects we have in the framework folder and our projects we have in the test folder. There's a couple of those. So how does, an, how does the SSIS catalog work? If I want to say execute one of these packages, like let's pick, um, we'll pick child number one here when it comes up. It's taking a while because again, it's running across the, the wire here. If I right click, and click execute and this is just like I'm running locally I'm just doing this in the cloud because I don't know if you've heard but a lot of people are going to the cloud um, Kent Bradshaw is on with me today and he's not talking but he's out there and Kent and I do this kind of work and we're helping customers all the time move their stuff to the cloud it takes a minute for the screen to pop up especially when I'm uh, when I'm connected like I am and let's see is it popped up yet it has not but the execute will pop up. And by the way, in the latest version, probably the latest couple versions of SSMS, I'm running 17.8, I think. Um, you get a little bit of a different view here than if you're running on a catalog locally. If you've ever right-clicked a package in a catalog, you've not seen this tree here. But you do get that when you run this from the Azure Data Factory SSIS integration runtime. We say our connection managers, this, this is a dumb little package. It just writes a message. When I click OK, it asks me, do I want to see the execution report? Sure. I'm going to go look at that. But I'm also going to fire off another execution here because one of the things that you can do, whether you're in the cloud or not, is from that execute package window, you can actually script um, the, the package. So see that script button right there? Let me zoom in. Let me get a sip of coffee, bro. Okay. Let's zoom in. And then when I click the script button, it's going to open up a new T-SQL window and it's going to script the execution. So a long time ago, I was working on a book called SSIS Design Patterns for SQL Server Integration Services 2012, the original version. And I was writing chapter two for that. And I've had this package forever. Kent can back me up on this. It's called Archive File. I've been dragging that thing around since like 2006. And what does it do? You'll never guess. Yes, you did guess. It archives a file. And it's all parameterized out and everything. And when Kent and I worked at Unisys together, uh, we were doing Medicaid systems. We would um, we'd call archive file. We loaded a lot from files. And when we were done with that, we would just call that one packet. So when I saw the catalog being demonstrated, and it was, I don't know, 2011, something like that, when I saw it first, I was sitting next to someone who worked at Microsoft, good friend, and I said, all right, how do I do archive file? And he says, that's easy. You just use an execute package task. And you just, you know, you have to, because you're doing project deployment model, you're going to have to pick uh, project deployment for your mode there. And you just import archive file into each one of your projects. 
And I was like, okay, what happens if I need to update it for some reason? Maybe I want to add some functionality. Maybe, I know it sounds crazy, maybe I find a bug. I want to fix that. And let's say at that point I've got it now in 30 applications. You know how this went, right? It was re-import it um, and, and redeploy. And I was like, no, I don't think so. When I hit the script button here, working on Chapter 2 for the SSIS Design Patterns book, the first edition, I saw this, and I got really excited. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. parameters. I know enough about T-SQL to parameterize these and, and make a script that will actually do this. So there's a package name, there's a folder name, and a project name. I can now put archive file in its own project, uh, in its own folder even, and I can just run it whenever I want. I'll just call a stored procedure to execute it instead of using an execute package task. I'll use an execute SQL task. And that got me to thinking. So what I ended up doing, and Kent and I worked together on this uh, an awful lot. In fact, we, I want to say this version of the framework, we actually put together really quickly over a Christmas holidays uh, a few years ago because we thought the the SSI's catalog did all these things already and learned, you know, like right in front of the customer there, it did not. Um, and I was really proud of our work. I'm still proud of our work. I love working with Ken. He's an awesome guy. Um, I created a custom schema inside of the SSIS uh, DB database. Now, if you just cringed a little bit when you saw that I was modifying the Microsoft database SSIS DB, we're still friends. I, I promise. If you looked at, at your screen and shook your fist or did, you know, some other hand gesture and said, you know, Andy, that's just wrong. We're, we're still friends. I, really. Because I totally get that. But I just want to share with you that there are two really good reasons why I chose to add my tables and sort procedures and the schema to the SSIS DB database. I'm not going to tell you what they are goes beyond the scope of what we're talking about today, but I do have reasons. I think they're good. We could argue about it later, but they're in here. So I've got an applications table, and this kind of serves as the center of everything. So what's in an application? Really just an application name and maybe some metadata like a description. There's an application ID in there that's generated by an identity. There's also the custom packages table, and this holds uh, kind of the location data. So remember, we talked about project name, folder name, and package name. Well, boom, package name, project name, folder name. This is how we find a package. Now, you may look at this and go, well, it's very, you know, it's, it's obvious that an application is a collection of packages, uh, and that is obvious. But what isn't so obvious, uh, when we start talking about cardinality, we look at the relationships between those two, it's very easy to look at that and say it's one to many, one application to many packages. And you're right but you're also wrong. And here's why. Think about archive file. If I've got archive file stored in its own project, in its own folder, out there in my catalog, and I want to call it at the end of 30 of, of these applications, these other applications, then I got to call, if I want to call the same package each time, I got to come up with a way to reach just that package each time. That means that one package, archive file, now participates in many applications. And if that's the case, you do the Boolean algebra on both of those one-to-many's going both ways, it comes out to be many-to-many. -many. That's the cardinality. To resolve that cardinality, I come up with application packages. That's my other table. And you can see application packages is just as dry as they get. There's an application package ID. 
uh, which represents this package in that application. That's how it works. Also, because archive file could be the second package that I run in the application, or it could be the 22nd, execution order really belongs at this level, so I put it there. And as an added bonus, no extra charge, I added just a touch of case, uh, sorry, fault tolerance into this uh, error management. Fail application on package failure. So again, I could have, say, archive file, the same package being called as part of a different application. And in application A, if archive file fails, then I fail the application. In application B, I could change this bit. And if archive file fails in application B, then it, it just ignores it and keeps running. It picks up the next package and goes on. So you can start to see the benefits of this. And again, this is the free framework. We sell uh, versions of this that are not free. That's all I'm going to say about it. DILMSuite.com, Data Integration Lifecycle Management Suite.com. Go out there and read about it. You can go there to actually get to the GitHub project where you can pull everything you're seeing today down and, and look at it. So how does this work? Well, if I pop into uh, my programmability and my store procedures here, I've got a couple of store procedures in a custom schema. And we see execute catalog package and execute catalog parent package. So if we look at, at execute catalog package, we're going to see something that looks remarkably familiar when we compare it to, to what we've got right here. In fact, there's that call that we saw at the top, create execution. I'm just calling the stored procs that they built out. But note, I parameterize stuff. I'm passing in a package name, folder name, project name. I am uh, setting some execution parameter values. So this is a very familiar pattern in software, uh, the way this works from an operational standpoint. So we create the intent to execute. We configure the intent to execute. That's number two. And number three, we execute. And you'll see that all throughout all kinds of software. Step one and three... For SSIS, our single call to a single store procedure, you can see the execute is start execution. That's the number three. The create the intent to execute is the first step. It's a store procedure called create execution. And in the middle, I'm actually doing multiple, in this case, only two. But I'm doing configuration of both the logging level and something called synchronize. So how does this work? It's a stored proc. It's just data stuff. Right? This isn't anything magic. It's stuff you do day in and day out. So when I call this, and I have an instance of it over here. Let's, uh, let's close that one. And I've got a query running over here where I call it. So I'm calling the parent package. And the parent package goes and gets the application name. So I just executed this. And I've, I've got this relationship that's, that's created in application packages where I've, I'm reading the package IDs, I'm associating them with the application ID, and this is how I get my list of packages. And because execution order is in uh, that table, in the application packages table, I go get that as well. So what does it look like when we, when we pick it apart? Well, let's go back up here to the table for just a minute and have a look. Um, if we pull the... Uh, Let's just open a new window here. We'll, we'll close this one because that's just getting in the way at this point. And we're done with that one as well. So while this is running, it takes a minute because why we're running over the pipe. And it runs a little slower too. Um, I can, see, yep, I'm on SSISDB. I can do a quick select star from custom uh, dot applications. 
and we're going to see our framework test applications in here. By the way, when you download the uh, the source for this, uh, everything is scripted and it creates these tables and it actually populates it with the test metadata here. Their instructions, there's a document, I want to say it's around 30 pages long. It not only walks you through how to set this up, it also walks you through kind of like the how to build your own framework stuff. Um, so if I, I look at packages now, and we'll see that there's my three packages. That's metadata again is loaded directly from, um, from the open source uh, code that you can download. But if I look, and if I look at application packages, we can see these numbers. They start to make sense. There's the application ID, right? That's one. Here's my three package IDs. Note that they're coming back in the execution order. That's just coincidence. Um, but this is the order I want them to run in. One, three, two, package ID. Uh, 10, 20, 30 execution orders. Why do I do, why do I do 10, 20, 30 instead of 1, 2, 3? Well, if I have to update, like I want to put one between 1 and one and 3 package IDs, I'd just rather give that a 15 or something rather than try and write the update statements. And it gets even worse when you get a couple hundred packages in an application. Um, you can see my fault tolerance. There's my fail application on package failure. Package ID 2 runs last and it says ignore the failure. This is important. The uh, package ID number two, which is child two here, this, um, this is designed to fail. It's actually got a script task in there that returns a failure result. So that's how it works. And really what I'm doing is I'm just joining all of the, the data that I need from each one of these. I'm ordering by the execution order. I'm going and getting the, the, uh, the metadata for each of these package IDs where the application name equals whatever I'm passing in. That's what the execute parent package does. This result of one tells me that it ran successfully and it ran all three of those. Now we can double check that by using the built-in reports here, uh, built into SSI, uh, SSMS, and we'll just go over here and hit all executions. That was open a minute ago and I closed it. That was bad. But if we look at that, we'll see that exactly what I predicted happened that the parent package ran and child one, then child three, then child two ran. These are showing in order by descending. Child two failed, but note that parent succeeded. If I didn't have that fault tolerant bit set, then this would have failed. And it would have failed because at the end of the stored procedure, I didn't show you all of the stored product execute catalog package, but at the end of that, one of the things that I do is I go look at the status. And if I get a status of seven, that tells me that that package execution succeeded. Um, if I do not get a seven, then I raise an error out of that stored proc. So this is how all of these pieces kind of work together. I send the error back to back from the stored proc, back from the relational engine. It goes into the execute SQL task in the parent package, which is looping through and running all of these. And then I choose how to respond to that. Again, a little bit more than we have time to go into today, how the mechanics work. It's all in there. Go read the doc. It's all there. And it, you know, I'm not hiding anything. And the, um, this is a free version of a framework. I mentioned earlier that we sell some. The engine works the same. There's just more stuff in here, more features and, and more checks and stuff like that. All right. Let's see. What else do I have here to share with you? Um, that's really the, the basics of the SSI's framework. I guess I could open the project and show you the actual, um, the, the, the package itself.
that's that's running all this. This is straight from um, GitHub, and let's let's go back. There's the stored proc. So if I open the solution, and this this my um, demo VM here, vdemo, has been interesting, behaving interestingly. I will say that's that's how I'll save it. Um, yeah, and there we go. <laughs> So sometimes it doesn't work so well. Maybe we won't look at that, but the uh, the package is out there. I promise it exists. It's in the framework folder here. Uh, this package called Parent, and this this is a package that uh, that does the things that we wanted to do. I, I'm sorry I can't open it on this demo machine. I apologize for that. But those things happen when you do live demos. I like doing live demos and typing in demos because I fail. Like like that just happened. Um, and the reason I like doing that is because uh, I don't want you to get the impression if you're new to SSIS that that you don't you know that it's possible to do this type of work without failing. I want you to get exactly the opposite impression, which turns out to also be accurate. You're going to run into stuff all the time. A lot of it's going to be stuff you do. Some of it's going to be stuff that, for whatever reason, is not configured correctly. That's what's going on here, and uh, it's going to let you down, just like that. Anyway. Um, yeah, this all runs out there, and uh, right now it's, it's running in Azure Data Factory in the uh, Integration Services Runtime. I guess one thing I can show you is, um, since this is now in limited preview, um, is these, uh, if you look at ADF, anybody familiar with ADF notices I have an extra uh, thing here, data flows. So they are, um, they, the ADF team, Azure Data Factory team, is actually building data flows now. Uh, over at uh, or in, in the ADF pipelines, so it's totally uh, different technology from what we're used to in SSIS. It actually runs on Azure Databricks, and I'll show you one um, just so you can see what it looks like. I've got just a really simple one here where I'm I'm importing data from a blob. I'm exporting it to another blob. Um, let's see, here's one where I'm importing it from a blob and I'm exporting it to um, a SQL table. And I think that's really all I've got. Yeah, just, just more variations on that. Very basic stuff that I've been testing here. I'm working on a blog post for this. Had some interesting interactions, uh, even uh, with, not just with Dataflows, but working with the team uh, at Microsoft that's uh, done this. I've been testing this for a little while. And very cool what they've built here. Um, again, totally different from what we're used to um, in the SSIS Dataflow experience. And... Uh, we can see on a pipeline here, I've got, I think in my test pipeline, I've got a data flow in there. Yep, there's one there. And you said just pick it up and call it. Um, there's there's uh, changes coming. Um, uh, is, you know, people ask me regularly, is SSIS going away? My answer is, I don't think so. There's an awful lot of SSIS out there. Um, I think what Microsoft is doing, this is me on the outside looking in. I do not speak for Microsoft. I don't have any special um, relationship with them other than every now and then I get to play with new stuff like this uh, because I'm, I'm experienced working with SSIS. They wanted to see what I would do with an ADF data flow. Um, my guess is no, that what I see them doing is they're maintaining their stuff, the stuff that they build in-house. It's a very different day in Microsoft as far as open source goes. So things like Spark, which is open source, and Databricks, which is a kind of a Spark framework, 
Um, those are the kinds of things that are that are coming. It's it's just a neat time to be in this. Um, these these data flows are going to be probably not be general availability for a while yet. Uh, they'll go to public preview before too long. Uh, again, like I said, they just went into limited preview literally a couple days ago. That's why I decided to work this in. And we can do things here like we can build a new pipeline that um, and in that pipeline, we can say uh, execute a stored procedure. And in our stored procedure, we can say things like, um, let's see, look at our SQL account. Um, I don't have a good link service defined for that right now, or a data set rather. Let's, um, let's create one really quickly. I'm going to make a new data set. And I'm going somewhere with this. I promise it applies to what we just talked about. So zoom out and get to my new data set. I want to go to uh, Azure SQL DB. And there's Azure, Azure SQL DB. And I'm going to call this one um, Azure SQL SSIS DB. Uh, my connection that I'm going to use. I want to do a new link service here. And... Yeah, well, Azure SQL DB, SSIS DB, and let's see, for my Azure subscription, I'm going to pick my my guy here. I'm going to go to SV Andy Demo. Look, it's loading the database name. I'm going to pick SSIS DB. I'm going to use SQL authentication. Uh, don't look. Oh, never mind. You can't see it. Um, nice that I can test the connection right here. I'll zoom in some so you can see this. I'm just going to click test connection and it should come back and tell me that it succeeds. There we go. Connection successful. I click finish. All I'm doing is I'm building a connection uh, to and, and a link service, which is a way ADF talks, uh, kind of like a connection manager in ADF, uh, how it talks outside of the pipeline. And, yep, that's all finished and good. I go to pipeline one, look at my store procedure. Now if I drop this down, I see, um, what do I see? And up there we go. There's my database, SQL DB. I can test the connection again right here. And we should see that test and succeed. It's just suspenders and a belt. I know it's connecting already. And then I can pick my store procedure. So there's all of my store procedures that are available uh, my custom store procedures are in here. I'm going to pick uh, custom.execute parent package. And it's asking me, do I want a, uh, do I need a parameter? I want to import the parameters so it'll tell me, you know, which parameters are available. And it should give me application name. And there it is. There's, these others are defaulted. Um, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to tell this treat as null for the defaults. And for the application name, I'm going to put in, this is a hard code framework test. Um, and, and then I can do a quick test of, of this uh, right up here. Let's see, where is my... Zoom out. What did I do with my sword prop? Did I... Boy, that was luck. I hit the, uh, I hit the delete. Only in live demos, folks. Okay, one more time. Uno mas. SSISDB, my store procedure... And 
custom dot import the parameter treat these as null framework test and if I do a debug real quick what we should see it do is we should see it try and run um, those things note that we've got a couple of in progresses here and if we refresh this we'll see it um, we'll see it fail <laughs> but why did it fail that's a good question the input parameter cannot be null. Oh, so I configured those as null. That was poorly, poor choice on mine. So I'm just going to leave them empty. How about that? Try that again. This is why we debug. Let's see what we get this time. So we're back in progress. And I'd love to tell you that I'm failing on purpose. I am not. The input parameter can be RN. I am not sure. I had this working just the other day in one day, uh, in another thing. So let's do this. The folder name is framework. The logging level is one. The package name is parent.etsx. And the project name is also familiar. Let me see if that's a problem. We'll find out here in just a minute. If live demos bug you, I apologize. I like them a lot. That failed. But we're in the middle of failure. We kind of caught it in the middle of a failure here, I think. input parameter cannot be null. It's not. You're not null. All right. Not sure why that's doing what it's doing. But it's actually possible to uh, pass in these uh, these parameter values and have this work. I don't know why this is throwing the fit that it is, but it is definitely throwing the fit. I'm wondering if it ran there. Let's go over here. It seems like the duration is still running. I wonder Go back and look at all executions here and see if we got some numbers that change here at the top. So yeah, it actually looks like it's running. One is going right now, pending execution for child three. So I don't know why it's giving me that failure, but it is working. It's actually executing. So the reason I wanted to share that with you is I want to let you know that you can actually take this to another level. You can um, you can use the SSI Framework Community Edition. Along with Azure Data Factory, you can create pipelines, you can create a call to that parent stored proc, and you can run your whole, entire infrastructure uh, in the cloud. Um, you lift and shift your SSIS packages from on-premises to the cloud. Um, you have to put them in a catalog out there when you do that. The ADF integration runtime is a catalog, so you deploy them to that catalog. You can build a controller package just like I did here and uh, call that stored procedure. There's obviously other design patterns for ADF uh, that are out there and you can take advantage of those. Um, I'm writing quite a bit about Azure Data Factory design patterns and you have to see my pipeline. It says my pipeline failed, but it's interesting. 
says, my store procedure called. Store procedure two called. Oh, wait a minute. What? That's weird. Do I have two of them in here? Oh, I bet that's why. Where did it go? All right. Not sure where that one is. But I remember I told you I thought I deleted it. I guess I didn't. I guess it's in here somewhere. No triggers. All right. Anyway, not the best demo in the world. Let's, uh, we'll do one more because I thought I had this right. We'll do one more real quick. Execute, um, SSI, execute a stored proc, the stored procedure. We'll run to here. We'll pick our SSISDB. Um, we'll wait for that to load. And yeah, it should it should just work. But I won't I won't go through everything. But what I did was I had a store procedure one in there still. That's why we had the two lines in the output. Sorry. Anyway, um, if I'd have wanted to do that, I probably couldn't have. But that's all that uh, that I want to talk about today. That was my demo. And again, all of this works in the cloud. It's all cloud friendly. Be happy to take any of your questions if you want to type them into the questions window. And uh, let's see. You can definitely learn more at my blog, andyleonard.blog. If you want to watch that in the next month, I'm going to be having uh, some more writing about ADF design patterns. DILMSuite.com, that's where you can go and get the, um, you can go get this open source project. It's, um, you know, it's, it's free and open source, the SSI Framework Community Edition. You can learn more about the other editions out there, what they do. I'm doing a day-long pre-conference session Monday the 5th of November at the PASS Summit in 2018. Um, very honored to, to be delivering that day-long session. I, I think there's only like 14 of us or something doing those on Monday and Tuesday. Some really awesome uh, presentations being delivered there, deep dives into topics. I'm going to be talking some about uh, data integration, lifecycle management. I'll, I'll mention the framework a little in there. I'm going to be talking about ADF. And also um, just uh, the ADF design patterns as well. Uh, you can also visit Enterprise Data and Analytics. Our website is entdna.com, and you can search for us. And, uh, and and again, from there, you can contact us anytime you'd like. Um, I run a couple of other sites. I've got a link here to or a picture of the Bemel Academy site there. I've also got one called SSIS Academy. They are... Um, there's training there that's available, and I'm adding content to those uh, as I go. I see. Let's see. Uh, yeah, on, on Facebook, uh, DataTrek is saying it would be great if I could share the screen. Yeah, when I started when I started this DataTrek, I uh, mentioned that I can't um, where I am here, but yeah, you could have certainly uh, you could sign up for the webinar. Also, there will be a, this is being recorded. It'll be available out there if you look at andyleonard.blog. Uh, you'll see a link probably tomorrow. There'll be a post that says the Use SSI Framework Community Edition recording is available. Um, the registration is required to view it. It's something GoToWebinar does, and I don't know if I, I... I haven't figured out how to turn it off. There may be a way. But um, you can go there definitely and check it out. Uh, you'll be able to see the screen from there. I don't see any questions uh, here. Uh, but I'd be happy to answer any questions that you uh, that you may have. I'd really like to thank everyone for attending, uh, whether you're watching the recording um, either here at GoToWebinar or watching the recording at, uh, at Data Driven on Facebook. Um, or if you're here live, I really appreciate you showing up and spending some of your day with me today. Um, 
Again, you can reach me at andy.leonard at entdna.com. Um, on Twitter, I'm Andy Leonard, uh, at Andy Leonard. LinkedIn, just straight uh, linkedin.com slash n slash Andy Leonard. And you can follow Enterprise Data and Analytics on Twitter as well, enterprise underscore DNA. Thank you all for your time, and, and I, uh, I appreciate it. Look forward to uh, talking to you again soon. Okay, I stopped the recording. Um, just to let folks know, too, that uh, if you're on uh, either Facebook or watching the, uh, the GoToWebinar uh, Saturday, a few days from now, I'm going to be in Boston speaking at the SQL Saturday Boston, SQL Saturday number 797. Man, they're getting up there. I'm doing a, a talk called Faster SSIS. Um, I love going to Boston. I love uh, seeing people there. I don't know if you've ever been to Boston or not, but the people up there talk funny. True story. Um, I'm going in October to a place where people don't talk funny at all, Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm going down to the Charlotte um, SQL Saturday. I want to say it's around the 19th. I may be wrong about that date, but it's around the third week in October. Really looking forward to uh, returning to Charlotte um, and delivering uh, another presentation down there, SQL Saturday. I'm not positive which presentation they picked. It just I don't have it on top of my head, but I think it may be the brand new one. I debuted Faster SSIS, which I'm delivering in Saturday on in Boston. I'm also delivering that at the past summit as part of the three-day conference, not the, the pre-con. Um, so... Yeah, it's, uh, I'm trying to, I think Charlotte's uh, has given me pretty good luck for debuting new presentations. And uh, anyway, looking forward to, to all of that. Um, would, uh, would love your feedback. If you have suggestions, um, notes, say, you know, Andy, I wish you to talk more about this. Uh, email me, please, andy.leonard at entdna.com. Or, um, you know, it's the very first time I tried this, uh, the using the data-driven page to, to go live in Facebook at the same time. And, um, yeah, note, uh, I just see a note from DataTrack. No, it's okay if you join late. That's, that's why we're here. Frank actually did this audio only earlier today. He did uh, a presentation where uh, he recorded the audio for that as well. I debated doing it. We were back and forth. We're trying new things all the time. So uh, this was a, a first for us. Anyway, any suggestions? Uh, like I said, Andy, I wish you'd talk more about this, or Andy, I wish you'd talk less about that. Um, there's some things I'm not going to do, like, you know, change the way I talk. I'm not cutting the beard. Um, no. So it's uh, become part of the trademark, at least for now. <laughs> anyway, I hope you all have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with me, and uh, I will catch up. I hope to catch up with you soon. Thanks for listening to Data Driven. Don't just listen, become a data driver by going to datadriven.tv to sign up to join the community, access to special events, tips and tricks, and more. Sign up today at datadriven.tv.